to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I was talking to a lady the other day, and I asked her how she was doing, and she said, I'm living my best life. But what many people didn't see under that facade and in those few words are this person who was struggling to be who they really wanted to be. You see, they... They thought they were being the best wife they possibly could be by, by being there for their husband and by being there for their kids. And, you know, they make sure that meals are done. They make sure things are clean. They work as hard as they can at work, and they come home to do all these things. And yet when they come home, they feel so unappreciated, so unloved, and so unthanked. I was talking to a husband the other day, and how are you doing? He goes, you know, just living another day. But underneath that facade was a man who thought, man, what am I doing with my life? I'm so devoted. I'm devoted to my work. I'm devoted to my family. I'm devoted to, to my wife. You know, I, I'm devoted to my family. I work, I work all these hours to make sure that, that I'm providing for them, that they're going to have the money they need, that they, have, that they have all the stuff that they want. And I'm such a devoted dad. I'm at every single one of my kids' games. I'm at every single one of my kids' activities. I'm at all those things. Yet why is my life falling apart? I don't get it. How much more devoted could I be, both these people, this husband and wife, looking at life, going, why are things not working the way it should? I thought if I'm just devoted enough to them, everything should fall into place. Why are my kids walking away from the Lord? Why is my marriage struggling? You see, here's the thing. You could be the most devoted person, But if your anchor is not set in the right thing to be devoted to, nothing will ever fall into place. It will always fall apart. So I ask, where does your devotion lie this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for today. God, I thank you so much that you are a God who loves us and cares for us and has a plan for us and a purpose for our lives. Lord, that you have so much planned for us, so much more intended for us, more than we could ever imagine or dream. Lord, you have a life that is so full of abundance for us and so many of us aren't just walking, we're just not walking in it. So Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us today. Lord, speak to your people at churches all over the valley. Lord, I pray for my friend Anthony over at Mercy Hill. Pray for Brian over at New City. Jared over at Desert City Church. Lord, I ask your blessings upon this valley. Lord, I pray for revival in our valley. Lord, meet us here this morning at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at this idea of devotion. More devotion in life. And what does this look like? What does this look like as us as people? You see, as we look at this book of Acts, we see that there is this movement. There, there was something that happened in this city and in this moment that caused so much more than anybody thought could ever happen in life. There was this movement that happened in a moment of time that changed history forever. It changed it forever. It changed it for you and I. It changed why we sit here, why we live, what we do, and why we do what we do. What happened in Acts chapter 2 was a life-changing thing. 
You see, as we finish Acts chapter 2 this morning, we will see that in all of this, in all of this, in all of this, this movement, in, in what happened in this chapter was this point on devotion. What we find that these people were devoted to something that caused a movement to change their city. And it didn't just change their city. It changed the cities around them. It ended up changing nations. It caused such a revival that lives were changed forever. And it all comes down to this devotion. So as we pick up Acts chapter 2, we're still in the middle of this guy named Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, and he just finished preaching this this sermon to this crowd of over 3,000 people. And he just started sharing with them about who this Jesus was that, that they crucified on the, this cross and how this Jesus that they crucified, how he wanted to change their lives and how he has salvation for them. And in this moment, as he's preaching, all of a sudden it says, these people were cut to the quick. They were cut to the heart. But Peter didn't leave them there. He didn't leave them going, I'm glad you feel bad for what you did for Jesus. Have a great afternoon. Bye. You ever been to one of those movies where it's like you go in and then you leave super sad? And you're like, what was that all about? Like, can we just, my, my feeling for every movie is if it's not true, make it happy at the end. If it's not a true story, End it happy. That that's just my personal thought. I am an, an you know I'm a Mighty Ducks kind of movie guy. Everybody wins in the end, unless it's a true story. We saw 1917 yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but um, I'm it's it's it was a true story or true truest kind of story, truish. And it was sad. You see, Peter didn't leave them there going, you know what? You should feel bad. No, go to your room. Because that, that's what adult, that's what I do sometimes. You should feel bad. Go think about it for a minute. He doesn't do that. This crowd says, what should we do? What shall we do? Okay, Peter, we realize we're in the wrong. What shall we do? And he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says to them, Repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. You see, this hope for the people, this desire to change, and this realization of, okay, we've messed up, the hope comes when they repent. Many people say, do what's good for you. But how many times has somebody done something that's good for you, but it hurt you in return? They did what felt good for them in the moment, but what good felt good for them in the moment hurt you in the same moment. If you are a teacher, you deal with kids of any kind, whether they're your kids or somebody else's kids, or you have roommates and people do what's good for them in the moment, maybe it's as simple as not putting their dishes away. And that was good for them in the moment. And you're like, are you a slob? What's your problem? What? You see... We have this understanding in our culture, just doing what's good for you. That sounds good, but it doesn't really work. 
You see, there has to be this right and wrong, and Peter is telling them in this moment, you see, they were doing what was good for them in the moment, and Peter, all of a sudden, they realize, okay, that wasn't right. We've made a mistake. What do we do? He says, you repent, and this is what we talked about last week. When you repent, this is what happens. When we say, okay, God, I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to live a different life. I want to change how I'm living, and I want to start living this new way. Here's what happens. When you repent, it changes the way you think and how you live. It changes how you think and how you live. When you repent, it changes your past. It changes your past because you're forgiven. Because you're forgiven of all that you've done and how you've lived, you're forgiven when you repent. And when you repent, it changes your future. It changes your future because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are given this power to live a different life, a life that you think, how in the world am I ever going to live this life that maybe this pastor talks about or I see my parents or my grandma's always praying for me to, to live different. How do we do it? Well, when you repent, it changes everything in your life. And it allows you to live this promised life that's available. You see, there's this promised life that Peter talks about here. This promised best life, the blessed life that's available to all who take this step in repentance. And Peter then continues in verse 39 and 40. He says, for the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. This promise, this promise of salvation, this promise of having a changed life, this promise of a hope for the future, it's not meant for just one, but it's meant for all, he says. It's not meant just for you, but it's meant for your children and your children's children. You see, for many of you who have kids, when you make a decision to change lives, to change your life, it affects all those around you. It affects those in your home when you decide, you know, I'm going to live different. I'm going to act different. All of a sudden, it's going to affect your, your kids and, and every generation after. You're going to set a new track and a new path for your family when you decide to live for the Lord. And Peter, as he's preaching this, he says, for the promise is for you when you repent, when, you be, when you're baptized. This promise is for you, and it's for your children. You see, some of you, you're young in here. You're, you're, you're in your teens, you're in your early 20s, and you're thinking, well, I can just live life, and I'll, and I'll start living for God later. I was talking to a friend of mine, and um, we were talking about estate planning and all these things, and we were talking about what, when people should do this and how people should do it, and, and, I, and she was, we were just having this conversation. I said, you know, I think there's a lot of people that when they think estate planning, they think, I'll do that when I get old, when I'm ready to retire, like my grandma or my grandpa. That's when you set those wills up. That's, you see, so many people plan for their, their future way far, and way far. Way, 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 they think it's, it's way too far away to start planning it now. When in reality, you young people, the decisions and the choices you make now will affect your tomorrow. The decisions of who you're going to date and the kind of person you like the movies you watch and all those things that you think, it's, it's fine, I can do whatever I want, but we got to realize the things that, <clears throat> the decisions we make today help affect our tomorrow. They create our tomorrow. You don't want to think, I'll, I'll make those decisions later. And so as Peter is preaching to this crowd, as Peter is preaching to these people, he says, for this promise, this promise of salvation, it's not just for you, but it's for your kids. When you make that decision today, it's for all those who follow. And he says, so that you might be saved. Saved from what? 
Save from this crooked and perverse generation. De- generation. I mean, I think we can look around in society now and see how crooked and perverse this generation is, can't we? <clears throat> it's amazing at the things that are socially acceptable. It's amazing at the things that, that we allow and that, that we approve. You know, I, I was, I, I follow this guy um, on social media and he was talking about the importance of churches starting to use this app called the TikTok app. And I, I read it, this is a while ago. And so I downloaded it because I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to check it out. What is this thing? I, I see people posting on it. And, I, and some of you, some of you young people are going to think, whatever. I'm just going to tell you, just in the moments of downloading it and seeing it, I thought, why would anybody ever want this? Within moments, I just found filth. I didn't even have to find it. It was there on the front. You could call me prude, whatever you want. But I, I want to, we're going to see as we continue this, that if we want to see a movement of God, if we want to see God change lives, if we want to see God bring revival in our city, it takes a commitment on our part. Because I believe that God wants to do something big in our city, and I believe that God wants to do something big through you. Through each and every one of you in this room, I believe that God has a plan that's bigger than you, that's more than you could ever imagine or think. And I'll bet when this crowd of over 3,000 people were on their way to go worship and do this celebration on this day, they had no idea that God was going to wreck their life. They had this plan to go party, to probably go drink, and do all the things that were just normal for partying. They had no idea that they were getting ready to be rocked in their life, to have this life-altering change where they're going to start a movement of Christianity that's going to affect you that's going to allow you and each one of us in this room to be saved we, they had no idea that they were going to be part of that movement that day no clue but in a moment this revival happens in a city that changes Jerusalem forever and Peter tells them that you need to be saved from this perverse generation. And I look at some of the things now in our city, the things now in our, in our society, and, and I look at the things that we applaud, the things that we like, the things that we want to strive to be like. And I think, man, how perverse are we as a generation? And I hate that I'm raising children in this generation. Because filth is so easily accessible. And how can I, as, as a loving dad, not just be devoted to my kids? I don't want to just be devoted to my kid who's on his phone right now showing his buddy. <laughs> I shouldn't embarrass him. That's not right. I'm sorry. They're probably looking at the version app and probably being all spiritual. Is that what you guys are doing? Look at that. Godly kids over there. But you see, I, I, I have the responsibility of raising three young men. And I could be the most devoted dad. I get home on time. I am. I am home on time. My wife knows when I'm going to leave work for the most part. I am at almost every, pretty much every single one of my kids' games. And when they all have practices and all that on the same day, that's a little difficult. But we are devoted. We are devoted parents. But here's the thing, if my anchor is not set in Jesus, it doesn't matter how devoted I am. If I'm not pointing them to Jesus, they will never know him. Because God has put that responsibility on me. 
that is, if you look, you read Proverbs, you read throughout the New Testament, the responsibility of parents to guide their children and to help them see the ways of the Lord. And some of you, I know some of you in here, you're younger people, and you did not have that example. I, I'm sorry. That doesn't mean you have an excuse to go do what you want. It means now you have this choice, the same choice that this crowd did on this day when they said, you know what, Peter, what shall we do? And he said, turn and start living for God. So here's what happens. Verse 41, it says, and it says, in all this crowd, they hear this, and they were all amazed, and they all, they all wanted to live this different life. So then those who had received his words were baptized, and that day there were about 3,000 souls baptized on that day. Can you imagine how long that church service was? I mean, what did the disciples do? Each 12, the 12 of them each take 10 at a time or two at a time or I don't know. And they all, oh, there's 120 of them, I guess. So 120, 3,000 divided by 120. Uh, that's a, a big number. And you, math whiz is some of you like, you got that right away. Me, I'm still struggling. I'm debating on getting my cal- calculator out. But can you imagine that? This crowd. Peter says, now what do you want to do? And they're like, we want to be baptized. All of a sudden, this crowd of 3,000 out of a crowd of I don't know how many come walking forward with a changed heart. I believe God can do that in our city today. I believe God can do that at your work. I believe God can do that at your school. I believe God can do that in your neighborhoods. I believe God could do that in your communities. I believe God could do that at our Starbucks. I believe God can do that today. The same God that did this, the same God that caused this movement can can change your sports team. But you know where it started? It started with a group of 120 people upstairs in a room praying. That's where it started. It started with prayer. It started with prayer. It says, so these souls were changed. They took this huge step of faith. They said, okay, we believe and now we want to be baptized. And I want to encourage and challenge those of you in this room as we've been sharing. Next week we're going to have baptisms here. If you've never been baptized, what's keeping you from that huge step of faith? What's keeping you from taking that, that step and saying, you know what, I want to take that. I want to go, I want to go do that. What's keeping you from it? If you call Jesus Lord, show everybody else in this room too. Don't be embarrassed of it. Sign up today. It doesn't cost. That one guy asked me, does it cost? No, it doesn't. It costs nothing. It costs Jesus everything for you to have a changed life. It costs you saying, okay, I'm going to live. And so as I was continuing to look at this, I saw that there were some things that changed in these people, people's lives. They had to change their habits. Last year, I read a book called Atomic Habits. If you've never read that book, it is an amazing book, amazing book. Atomic Habits. I don't know, I don't know if the guy's a believer or not. James Clear is his name. Um, but it's a really, really good book. I loved it. Um, but he talks about changing habits. And so for me, I had to change some habits in my life because I'm easily distracted. Man, I am ADD to the core. You, you, one thing goes by and I'm going to look. I, I, I have no focus. In a movie, maybe a little bit. But even in a movie, I want to look at my phone. I'm like, what is my problem? I'm being entertained by a ginormous screen and super loud music. Why do I want to look down? I don't, I don't know. But you see, these people, they had to change some things. And it really all came down to devotion. Devotion to the right things. So I ask you this. What are you devoted to? 
If you were to take a moment in your life and look at the things that you pour the most time into, what are you devoted to? What things get your time, get your effort, get your energy, get your mental capacity? What, what things get you? Here's what happens next in verse 42 and 43. It says, they were continually, this crowd, this crowd of people, this 3,120 people, I don't know how many, I know there were 120 disciples, and there were about 3,000 that made a life change for Jesus. So let's call it 3,120 people. It says, they, the 3,120 people, continually devoted, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. I see here four things that promoted life change. It was a devotion. But devotion to what? Devotion to what? You see, what, what, hold on a minute, I'm not there yet. We can be devoted to good things that are not so good for us. You know, we could be devoted to the gym. And the gym can be good. But the gym can be bad, too, can't it? I had a friend that I, I used to work out with, and he and I used to talk about more spiritual things. And all of a sudden, one day, I saw him continue to sort of ignore me. Because I kept seeing him sort of talk to these other ladies, and I knew his marriage was struggling. And all of a sudden, this place that, that we used to talk about spiritual things, Bible studies, the things that he was preparing for, all of a sudden, I saw this gym, this place that, that he enjoyed became a distraction. And all of a sudden, one day, when I finally caught him, we were, he was in the sauna, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to go in there. I don't know. if I don't, don't care if I'm going to make it awkward right now. And I was like, hey, dude, what's going on? Oh, you know, pretty good. Life's good. How's your marriage? Oh, we're getting divorced. Something that, that was so good yet became such a huge distraction for him. And I'm not saying this, and, and I, I'm not saying you don't go to the gym because we've got to be fit. But you see, when your anchor is not set in Jesus, when gym is the main thing and Jesus is the sidestep, th then you got a problem. You see, work can be a great thing. But when you're so overcommitted to work and you deny your family, you decline Jesus, when Jesus gets your leftovers and not your best, all of a sudden, it becomes a distraction. Studying in school, school's a good thing. I'm not saying don't study for school. But we can be so overcommitted with school that we say, well, I can't, I, I can't go to church today. I'm tired. We're all tired. We're, we, that's just part of life. We all, I, I got to study. Well, yeah, would you? I was talking to somebody today, and she's like, I, I added another class to, to my schedule. I'm going to have to better my time because I know that I have the tendency to wait to the last minute. And so many times what happens when we wait to the last minute, who gets sidestepped? Jesus. Jesus, I can't go to church today, but you know, I'll catch it on, face, on Facebook. You see, we see something that happens here in this chapter, this commitment that happens, this life change that happens. We can be so devoted to our kids and our family, and all of a sudden a husband can sort of feel rejected and neglected. Honey, I, I got to be with my kids. I was talking to one family, and, and I, I was hearing how they have not been on a date since their kids were born. Couples in here, if you're not dating, your marriage is going to suffer. I'm just going to be real. You, you need to go out. 
make time for each other, whether it's maybe it's a morning, like my wife and I, we have Friday mornings and we drop the kids off at school and then we go for a hike and we go out to breakfast because you could eat a big fatty breakfast when you hiked before it. It gets rid of guilt and shame. It's how it works for me. It'll work for you too. Um, you can eat whatever you want, no guilt. I think that's somewhere in the Bible. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I went on top of the mountain. I said, God, you are good. And then I tasted and saw that those pancakes and eggs and bacon were amazing. Because here's the thing. You can be so devoted to things, but when you leave Jesus out, when he's not your anchor, when he's not the main thing, everything else falls apart. And I can't tell you how many marriages, how many people, how many, not, not just marriages, but how many people say, Jeremiah, I don't get it. Well, then I have to look and say, what are you devoted to? Because I see in this crowd that there is a devotion. That what caused a movement that we now call our faith happened because a group of people were devoted. So where does your devotion start? Where does your devotion start? This morning? Yesterday morning? Yesterday afternoon? Where, where does your devotion start? This is key. This is the anchor. This is what helps set all priorities for all the other things you're going to be devoted to. This is the main thing. If it's not Jesus, then you're already sliding. I'm just going to tell you. You see, I see here four things that this crowd became devoted to. The first thing, as it said there in verse 42, it says, and they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to faith. They're devoted in knowing more about who God is and what God's word says. They are devoted to this, this, whether it was going to church or reading God's word, they were devoted to this. They made it a priority. I see so many families that church on Sunday morning is not a priority. It's a as we have time. It's a well, I went, the, the average person goes to church about one and a half times a month. And we wonder why marriages are struggling. We wonder why our kids are struggling to try to figure out who they are in their own life. We wonder why our families are falling apart. We wonder why our school systems are not good. We wonder why all these things are not as they were 50 years ago. I think a big part is because Jesus is not the center as he used to be as much. And so we saw the first thing that they did, they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. I'm not calling myself an apostle, but I'm going to ask how often would you say you come? And I know some of you, it's like, Jeremiah, I, sometimes I have to work on Sundays. I, I get that. That's been in our conversations. I wish we could do like a Saturday service or like a, a midweek thing. But being in a place like this, it makes so many things difficult for us. That's why we are praying that God would help us find a new spot so that we could adjust because I get schedules are different. I get some of you, you, you work in the fire department and your schedule is always changing. And you hate it. I hear it because you text me like, I hate that I have to miss. I I get that. I'm not speaking to that, but I'm speaking to those of us that maybe were like, well, you know, my kid's in sports, and, and now i got to take him to that game on Sunday. I hope that by the time my kids are done and they're out of the house, that their main focus is Jesus, nothing else. And I'm not saying sports are bad. Sports are great. But the thing is, we are setting anchors. We are setting priorities in our kids' life today that they will live on tomorrow. So the first thing they did is they devoted themselves to faith. The second thing is they devoted themselves to community. 
That could be city groups, going to youth groups, serving together, helping out. But it's surrounding yourselves with other believers. That's what they did. They devoted themselves to the community. I asked, who's in your circle and who's in your community? This morning we had our kids on our way into church. We read a devotional together. And I had Ezra read it. And he did a great job. He's my seven-year-old. No, he's six. He's almost seven. And all, the whole devotion was about who are your friends? Who's in your circle? And it talked about if your friend Jacob does something he shouldn't do, should you? I'm honest. That's what it said. I know Jacob. And you have to make this choice. Am I going to do what he does or am I going to do something different? You know, I ask you, who's in your circle? Are you in a city group? If you're not, you're disconnecting. Last, this last Friday night, we had a ladies' event. And I know that there's some of you that couldn't go. We, we ran out of space and all that. But are you going to these different things? Are you surrounding yourself? If you're a young person, if you're in junior high or high school, are you going to youth group? Are you surrounding yourself with other people your age? Are you going to youth group? If you're not, get connected. Get connected somewhere. Because this is what caused a movement. They were devoted to faith. They were devoted to community. They were devoted to remembering. Remembering what? This is that they were devoted to the breaking of bread. That is, this, that is the, the remembering of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, taking communion together. They were devoted to that. They made that a priority. They wanted to remember what Jesus did because when you remember what Jesus did, it makes us think before we do. And the last thing, it says they were devoted to prayer. Personal prayer, united prayer, fellowship and prayer. You know, every Sunday morning during the service, we have people up at the top that pray. Maybe you're looking for a ministry and you're like, I don't want to do, do kids because I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do, I'm not musically talented, I can't be on the worship team. I can't go up and down stairs like, like, the, like the people who usher, that's just way too hard. Could you maybe commit one service to prayer and, and, and join us for one? Maybe you're, you're a dude out there and, and you have Wednesday mornings available from 6 to 7 in the morning. Every morning there's a group of guys that meet at the office for prayer. Every single Wednesday morning from 6 to 7. They pray. And the different leaders and pastors, we text in our prayer requests. We get a text every Monday and then a repeat text on Tuesday reminding us to pray. And I send those prayer requests in. And there's a group of men that pray. You see, what caused this movement that we now call Christianity started with prayer. Started with a whole bunch of people, 120 men and women, up in a room praying that God would move. And all of a sudden, God did move, and they were ready. It's not like Peter stood there and said, oh, my goodness, what should I do? He started preaching. He didn't say, oh, my gosh, but, but God, I'm a sinner. God, I made all those mistakes. God, I cursed at you. God, I, I did all these things. No, he allowed God to move through him. And I ask you, what are you going to do? These are the things that they committed themselves to. Men in here. I challenge you to be men. We have a culture that is looking for good leaders and so many of them are bad. They're cheaters in baseball. They're cheaters in football. 
I mean, look at the past few weeks. I mean, you've got some of the best teams that are being called out for not living the right kind of life, for trying to cheat. Imagine if the men of God started living like they were. Imagine what do. Ladies in here, you live under this pressure to be somebody that God said, you already are enough. You're enough because I made you that way. Imagine if you took that message to all the people you go to school with, to all the people you work with, and you shared that hope. Imagine what would happen to our city. I believe revival can happen. I believe it can start this year, but it has to start in you first. It has to start in me. And we see that in this city, what happened was this crowd became devoted. Devoted means to continue to do something with intense effort. That's what the word devotion means. So I ask you, what are you devoted to? Is it worth your time? Is it worth your intensity? Is it worth your effort? Is it worth it? It says this crowd lived in awe. They lived in awe seeing God move. I want to experience that same awe today. Maybe some of you are at that point where you need to repent. You need to turn from the way you're living and start living for God. You never realized that. You need to turn now. Do that. Maybe some of you, you need to reevaluate what you're devoted to. You're realizing your devotion is not anchored in Jesus. It's anchored in all these other things. And Jesus is sort of an extra thing. He's an add-on. He's not the main thing. So what are you devoted to? See, if you want to live this promised, blessed life that Peter talks about, it comes from repentance. It comes from the salvation we get in Jesus. And then devotion to Jesus is what keeps us moving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God. God, I thank you that you are a great God who does great things. And Lord, I ask you now, God, that you would move in this room. If you right now are in this room and you're realizing that maybe you've never even given your life over to Jesus and you want to change that, you want to take that first step and say, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you because I realize I've been devoted to all these things, but nothing has satisfied me. I want to follow you. If that's you, just say, dear God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Set me free from my sin. Set me free from my guilt and shame. Help me to live for you. If you prayed that prayer this morning with me, would you raise your hand because I have a gift for you. If there's anybody here that prayed that prayer with me, that you want life change, just raise your hand and I have a gift for you. Just keep your hand up until, until we get to you. And Lord, there's some of us in here, we have been devoted to the wrong things. Lord, I pray right now as we sing this last song, Lord, that we would reevaluate and start adjusting create small habits that create big impact. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.